0: John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 down through about verse number 8, I think, and then we're going to look at one verse that we're going to focus in on tonight. John 15, beginning in verse number 1, Jesus said, "...I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away." And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit." Uh, For two reasons, I almost decided against bringing this message tonight. Number one, there is so much in these verses. In fact, I have a series of, I don't know, seven or eight messages, something like that, that I preached years ago from just these verses here. And and, and not only is there so much here that we're not going to deal with, but there are so many controversial statements. There are some things about uh, about these verses that's confusing to a lot of people, and I don't want to take the time tonight to get off into those avenues. I want to focus in on just one thing. The other, the other thing, and this is going to sound strange in the first place, I almost decided against it because there was too much to cover. But secondly, I almost decided against it because... Really, there is just a little bit that I want to say tonight, believe it or not, I think. I mean, that's the way it appears in my mind, because I've only got two points that I want to talk about tonight. And the title of the message tonight, and remember, we're still talking about the subject of prayer. And the title of the message tonight is The Key to Prayer. The Key to Prayer. And you know I'm almost reluctant to say anything is the key to to anything i you know like I've said before, and I think I heard somebody else say it probably forty years ago, you know before i before we had any kids i you know I had no kids and eight theories about how you raise children. And now we've got eight children and I don't have any theories about how you raise kids. I, you know, I'm not too sure that I know how. So, so you gotta be careful about thinking that you've got it all figured out. And whenever you say something, you know, this is the key, you know. Well, uh, there's usually more than one factor involved uh, in in doing something successfully, and that that's certainly the case with prayer. There's a lot of different things that we could call the keys to prayer. But I think if I had to sum it all up in just one brief statement, it would be verse number 7. I want you to look at that again. Verse 7, I think this sums it up about as well as you can. If... Ye abide in me, and my words abide in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. This shows us that effective prayer is conditional. In other words, we can't just pray any way that we please and expect to get what we ask for. At the opening sessions of the uh, session of the United Nations, way back in 1945. It was in San Francisco, and it was suggested, quote, and by the way, this same thing has been said on many occasions, but uh, this is the one that, that stuck with me and I jotted down, every man, every man pray uh, to his own God in his own way. You know, that really sounds impressive. You know, we don't want to put any restraints on anyone. You know, just everybody, whoever your God is, pray to that God. Pray in, in your way. And so then they had a period of silence where everyone in attendance was asked to do just that. Well, it was, as far as I'm concerned, it was a good waste of time. They could have probably figured out something else that they could have done with that uh, with those few seconds, uh, that would have been more productive because a prayer like that certainly isn't going to be uh, productive. It might sound good to some people, but actually it's sheer nonsense. Prayer has to be done God's way or it's not going to be effective. And so here in our text, Jesus tells us exactly what the conditions are that must be met. If we're going to receive an answer to our prayer, and there are two things, two things. Number one, notice the first phrase here, if ye abide in me. The, the words in Christ were one of the favorite phrases used by the Apostle Paul. In fact, over 70 times in his writings does he use this phrase to describe the, the believer's position. I mean, isn't that a glorious thought to think about the fact that you are positionally, you are in Christ. That, that's talking about our union with Christ. And that is positional, and, and by the way, it's permanent. You, you can't do anything to sever that relationship. And I I, I want to be emphatic about that because there are some people that take these verses that I've read here tonight and, you know, they try to uh, convince people that, oh, yeah, you can lose your salvation. Well, no, you really can't. If you have eternal life, it is eternal. You're not going to lose it. If you're one of God's children, you are in a permanent relationship with God. So that is our union. However, we have to understand the difference between our union with Christ and communion with Christ being in communion with communion with Christ our union cannot be changed but our communion with Christ uh, can be changed so positionally nothing shall ever separate us from the love of God Romans chapter 8 makes that perfectly clear you can't do anything to stop God from loving you you can't do anything to break the union that you have with God but as far as communion Is concerned, you most certainly can. Now, when we talk about communion, there are a lot of different ways to describe it, and one of the favorite words, and it's really not exactly, not exactly accurate, but we, you know, because of the way we use it, I'll use the word fellowship. Uh, The word fellowship in the Greek is actually a Greek word koinea that means to have in common and so forth. And, uh, you know, it's used in many occasions speaking about the church and them having all things in common one with another. It's not the kind of fellowship that we think of whenever we're sitting around the table, you know, drinking iced tea and and eating together and stuff like that. But but that word fellowship comes to my mind in, in the way that we use it in regards to communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what is implied here in this word, abide, if ye abide in me. Now notice, if ye abide in me. We have a permanent union with Him, but whether we abide in Him or not is something altogether different. That word abide means to remain, continue, to dwell. It means to stay put. And so, it's it's this verse is implying that first of all, we've got to be saved for our prayer to be effective. But not only be saved, we have to be in communion with Christ. And unless we're in fellowship with Christ, our prayers are going to be in vain. So, consider the context of what this is all about. And this is such a beautiful picture that our Lord paints here for us and, and he likens the relationship between himself and us as disciples as the vine and the branches there in verses one through five. And the point of that is that none of the branches have life in and of themselves. Every branch is dependent upon the vine Every branch depends upon the sap that flows from the vine, the life-giving liquid. You know, if you cut off the sap, you know, although the branch is still, you know, organically a part of the vine, there's no fruit. And so although we are in union with Him, attached to Him, nothing can sever us from Him, even though that is true if we are out of fellowship with Him due to sin, you know, whatever it might be, the result of that is our prayers are going to be uh, hindered. So if we want our prayers to be, you know, effective, we've got to make sure, as the old timers used to say, that, that, you know, that we keep a short account with God. That means simply that we keep our sins confessed up. In the old Schofield Bible, probably not in one of the newer editions, and in fact the first Bible I ever got was a an old Schofield Bible, and uh, after that I got a Thompson, and I've never changed from the Thompson chain reference Bible since then. But for about the first year I used... Uh, uh, an old Schofield Bible, and there is a note in the old Schofield Bible. By the way, the Schofield Bible is a great Bible in many regards. It has some notes that you can't depend upon, but in this case, in the old edition of the Schofield Bible, there is a note here in 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 chapter number fifteen, where we've just read, in verse number four, and here's what what it says to abide in Christ is on the one hand to have known sin unjudged and unconfessed uh, in interest into which he is not brought no life which he cannot share on the other hand the abiding one takes all burdens to him and draws all wisdom life and strength from him it is not unceasing Consciousness of these things and of Him, but that nothing is allowed in the life which separates from Him, and that was the point that I wanted to make. You know that there be nothing in our life that separates or hinders our fellowship with Him. You know we live in a day where there there are so many controversial issues There's so many we, we sometimes we refer to them you know as gray areas. Is it alright to do this or is it alright to do that? And, uh, I, I, <laughs> I, got a missionary friend and I'll never forget his, I think it was probably his first year after he was getting ready to go to the mission field and he got up, you know, and preached a sermon and so after, you know, one, well, I won't go into the sermon, but after the message was going to eat and walking across the parking lot and he saddled up next to me and, uh, and, uh, he said uh, he said uh, Brother Stone, have you ever have you ever fasted I said well yeah occasionally I, and i i could tell with the look in his face exactly what was going on already because he looked like you know he uh, uh he, he looked an ash gray color and all of that and his lip was dragging the ground just the opposite of what the bible tells us to do but it was this same guy that got up in the message and, and talked about the fact that it was a sin, men having long hair. By the way, I believe that if it gives them an effeminate look. I, I think, well, you don't know, look like a man, but where do you draw the line? And in his message, he said, it's really easy. God gave us bumpers on both sides of our head called ears, and if it gets down over the ears, it's too long. Now, isn't it a crazy thing whenever we are debating issues like that? And all of the time, you know, you hear, well, you know, I've got some good friends that were very, very much offended. They took an unsaved young lady to church. And the pastor in this particular church, Independent Baptist Church in Kentucky, that pastor and his wife got in the habit, they had some coverings there, and if somebody's dress, skirt was too short, they covered them up. And they did that, embarrassed this young, unsaved lady to the point that she never come back again. But we hear all of these questions about, well, you know, does it have to go to the bottom of the kneecap or the top of the kneecap and... You know where I'm going with this, right? Because there's forty eleven different things that we can talk about. And here's the thing, here's the thing, folks. Why in the world are we nitpicking in all of these little old areas like that? By the way, I'm not saying that if something is sin, it's sin. Don't get me wrong. What I'm saying is we can settle all of those issues if we get back to what the Bible teaches us about not doing those things that offend the brother, those things that put a question mark on our testimony, those things that call our sincerity into question. You know, those things is going to be a stumbling block to somebody else. And the only question we need to ask ourselves, will this be to the glory of God? Is what I'm doing dishonoring to God? Is it disobedient to God's Word? And if it is, that ought to settle the issue. Regardless of where the hemline or the hairline is, it shouldn't make any difference if if it's justified by the testimony of God's Word. And so when it comes to this matter of prayer, there's so many times somebody says, well, is all right if I do this or all right if I do that. And by the way, there are some things that be alright for you wouldn't be alright for somebody else. You say, well, oh, how can that be? If it's wrong, it's wrong. If it's right, it's right. But there's still some things they could do and it would be wrong for them. Why? Because if it didn't hurt anybody else, it would wound their conscience. And that, according to the Bible, makes it a sin. It's a sin for us to do something and wounding our own conscience. In other words, having doubts about it. If you've got doubts about it, the best advice I can give you is don't. And one of the reasons that you shouldn't is because it's going to hinder your prayer life. And, and the, the thing that we absolutely must do is to make sure that we're living our life in communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, If ye abide... In me, That's the condition, but that's only part of it. Notice here's the second thing he says, and, that's a very important word, and. He, you know, he didn't stop. He said, if you abide in me, he adds this, and my words abide in you. And as far as I'm concerned, I think he's giving us here the means of abiding in him the means of staying in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. This shows us how that prayer is related to the Word of God. And we can't speak effectively to God unless we permit God to speak to us. Remember what Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And a lot of folks need to watch their diet because they're feeding their mind on things that are not conducive to to an effective prayer life, things that will, you know, not keep them in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, almost anything can become a distraction. Even sinless things can become sinful. If we allow them to dominate our time and to sap us of our energy and to distract us from Christ, that sinless thing becomes a sin, and now it becomes a hindrance to us getting our prayers answered. So Jesus is simply telling us that if if, if you want me to answer your prayers, you have to abide in me. You have, you've got to be in fellowship with me. And secondly, and my words abide in you. Now, there's something very, very important here. Because a lot of people have got the idea, you know, well... All I need to do is just read the Bible, and and that's what it's talking about. All I have to do is memorize a few verses, and that's what it's talking about. And we're going to explain that here in just a little bit. But first of all, let me point out the fact that a lot of people misunderstand. Notice he says, Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And a lot of folks have erroneously taken that as a blank check from God. Uh, Here's the blank check. God gave it. uh, You know, God gave it to you. God signed it. All you got to do is just fill in the amount that you want. There it is. I mean, uh, and and they usually, you know, emphasize. Isn't that what it says? Ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Well, yeah, that's what it says. But that's not all the Bible says. A fellow of the name of A.W. Pink, uh, a prolific writer. Uh, many years ago, I, th- I think he probably died somewhere in the in, in the 50s, and I can remember as a young Christian uh, getting several of his books. And the the one bad, really bad part is this fellow was a real strong uh, Calvinist. But other than that, uh, he he was a, a brilliant man. Uh, in fact, some time ago, I told the story about uh, about. Uh, A.W. Pink, he and his wife finally, I guess, got tired of the ministry here and the world was so worldly and they just moved off to an island somewhere and spent the rest of their life in seclusion. And he did some great writing there, but the fact of the matter is it just all, all but dropped out of the ministry because the world didn't live up to the right standard. But he made a He made a a very uh, relevant point with these words, explaining this text here in his commentary on John. And he wrote, Ye shall ask what ye will, as though he's quoting that, but for what would such a one ask? Think about that. You can ask what you will, But for what would such a one ask? Talking about if you're abiding in Christ. If he continues in fellowship with Christ, if his words remain in him, then his thoughts will be regulated and his desires formed by that word. Such a one will be raised above the lust of the flesh... Uh such a one will bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, proving what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. And consequently, such a one will ask only for that which is according to his will, and thereby will he verify the Lord's promise, it shall be done unto you. And I think he... Hit the nail on the head with that statement. In other words, the Lord said, you can ask whatever you want and I'll give it to you. But understand, if we are abiding in Him, if we're in fellowship with Him, there's a lot of things we won't ask for. In other words, if we're in fellowship with Him, we're not going to be asking for things that that we shouldn't. If we're abiding in Him, we're we're going to be depending upon the Holy Spirit to guide us in our prayer life. Because it's beyond us sometimes. We don't even know what we ought to pray for. And were it not for the promptings of the Holy Spirit, there are times that we wouldn't have a clue what we ought to pray for. Ask what ye will if you abide in Him. Now remember, the branch is what? It's a conduit. It's a conduit. That flows, which, where the sap flows through the, from the vine into the branch, and what happens? It produces the fruit. In other words, the branch doesn't produce the fruit. It has no producing power of its own, it's a conduit taking the life-giving liquid from the vine to the branches, and that's the way it is with us. So the effectiveness of our prayer depends upon whether or not that we meet the conditions that God has set. And whenever we come to Him and we've met those conditions, yeah, we can pray with assurance. Now, let's go back to where I said we would get to a little while ago. Because we need this word of caution. Don't think that because you read a chapter a day, or maybe two, that automatically that God's Word is abiding in you. The mere reading of the Bible is not going to produce more power in prayer. The Word of God has to be implanted in our hearts. It has to be meditated upon. It has to be obeyed. And only then can we depend upon it to produce an effective prayer life. Now notice he said, if my words abide in you. The particular Greek word that's translated words is the Greek word rhema. Turn over to Ephesians chapter number 6. And here, and some of you already know where we're going with this because you know what Paul had to say about the Word of God being the sword of the Spirit. And here as he is describing for us the Christian armor and how it is that we're able to live victoriously. Verse 16, Above all, taking the shield of faith... Oh, by the way, where do we get faith? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye may be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, now notice, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. Again, that Word there, Word... In reference to what God says is the Greek word rima. Now, this is important because it's different. When you go back over to John chapter 1, it speaks about Jesus being the Word. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. That, that's the Greek word logos and it, it's speaking about the, He is, He is the ultimate expression of who God is and so forth. But this particular word, has to do with specific parts of God's Word. I hope I don't confuse you with this because it's so very important. He said, if my words abide in you, he's not talking about just remembering at random certain parts of the Bible. He's talking about specific sections of the Bible that relate to the issues that's going on in your life. Remember whenever Satan... Tempted Jesus, and in each instance, you know how it went. What did he do? What was his answer? He answered by quoting the Word of God. It is written. And in each instance, I want you to notice that he gave some scripture that was relevant to the temptation. He didn't, he didn't, he, you know, he could have said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word, you know, in, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Or, or he didn't. He didn't quote some little snippet out of the genealogy of Abraham. Yeah, you, know, you could say, "Well, no, that's the word of God," and all you have got to do to make the devil flee is just quote uh, 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 some part of God's word, like you know, like it's a good luck charm, and it doesn't work that way. We've got to be so familiar with God's word, His word abiding in us that when those situations, whether it's a matter of a, of a struggle that we're going through, a difficulty we're facing, or a duty that seems overwhelming, or a temptation that we can't resist, or whatever it is, or even in this matter of prayer, when it comes to praying, whatever it is that we're praying about, we need to have in our minds some Scripture related to that. Now, I realize there are some that, you know, in my opinion, maybe they're right, you know, but in my opinion, there are some that have taken this to an extreme, and they say that we actually ought to pray Scriptures. Well, uh, you know, I, I don't know of any version of the Bible that says that's the way we ought to do it. But we certainly ought to have those Scriptures in mind and be knowledgeable of them, and it's fine if we make reference to those things. Dear God, You know my heart. I'm not perfect, but I'm trying. And dear God, You know that, that I have committed my life into Your care, and I'm seeking first and above everything else Your kingdom and Your righteousness. And Lord, You promised to supply my needs. I don't think that's just all right. I think that's a good example of how we ought to be praying when we're in a situation and we have a need and we're praying about it. If my words abide in you. So we've got to not just be knowledgeable of some part of God's Word. We need to have a knowledge of God's Word to where we can recall... I don't you know we put a lot of emphasis on memorizing the scriptures that's fine I'm I'm good with that but I don't care if you can tell me what chapter and verse it's found in that's not important at all to me the important thing is if you know what the bible says and you keep it in the context that that's all that matters And so as long as you can make reference to it, His Word is abiding in you. And that's why it's so crucial, absolutely essential that you and I spend quality time in God's Word every day. I mean, we talk about, you know, in prayer we're speaking to God, right? That's extremely important. But I'll tell you, nothing is more important than God speaking to us. So, Isn't this a wonderful promise that the Lord gave us, though? Ask what you will, you know, and He said, it'll be done unto you. If we meet those two conditions, abide in Him and His Word abide in us. So I hope tonight that when we leave here that we all leave here, you know, understanding not just how important prayer is but but how important it is that we meet God's conditions if we expect God to give an answer but it ought to excite us to think of the great possibility before us it's like wow there it is the door is wide open you abide in me and my word in you there it is ask what you will because a Spirit-filled person is not going to ask for anything knowingly that's outside of the will of God. Let's all stand. Father, we thank You tonight for bringing us together. We thank You, Heavenly Father, for the Word that You've given. Lord, for the instruction that You've given to us. And Lord, although there is just something that's natural about calling upon Your name as a Christian and something that we not just have a longing to do, but something that we have a a great need for every single day of our life. And Lord, I hope you, that You'll help each and every one of us to become more effective in our prayer lives. Help us, Heavenly Father, to not just say our prayers, but to actually pray. And Lord, I just pray that each one of us might resolve here tonight to do everything within our power to to live our life in sweet communion with You. And Lord, that we'll spend quality time in Your Word and that Your Spirit will enlighten our minds and may it find lodging in our hearts that regardless of what we're going through, that we can recall some particular portion of Your Word that applies to our situation, because that's where our hope is found. Bless us, protect us as we leave here tonight, and guide each one in Jesus' name. Amen.